When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's what everybody, we are back, and this is episode 194, Iconography. That title might change, it might get a little more SEO friendly, but we're going to be talking about iconography today, obviously, because I had a uh, a conversation with Mike over a certain app, and we'll get into that in the episode, and I was kind of puzzled by the iconography, I tweeted about it as well, and I kind of found that similar behaviors exist in other apps as well, and I wanted to sort of do a deeper dive than what I already knew about the UX of iconography. So let's just jump right into that. So if you if this sounds interesting to you and you inter- interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, and join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And like I said, I, I wanted to make this episode because I found myself struggling with some apps iconography. And this is multiple apps, but the biggest offender that I can think of and the biggest one that I thought of in general and 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 sent to Mike was actually the Patreon app. Now, I'm not singling them out. Like I said, a bunch of apps do this. But if I were to speak specifically for the sake of the show about the Patreon app, I'm using the Patreon app on iOS. Um, I rarely use the app, so that's a key thing. And I find that the icons are not very descript. It's one of those things where, like, if I were to describe the icons looking left or right, I took a screenshot at the time of me writing these notes, and there's, like, a speedometer on the far left, so dashboard, right? That that one is fine. The next one is, like, a written page that's left aligned, and so it's like, okay... The next one looks like a browser almost or like a window with like a little taskbar, maybe a little close button there. Then there's an envelope and then there's a person in a circle. And then above that, there's like a a red plus sign. So obviously, you know, create new post or whatever. And just to me, it's like the dashboard, that's fine. The inbox, that's fine. The profile one, so the little person in the eye, that's fine. But these other two are just not descriptive enough. And what I started doing was paying attention to apps and icons that had text alongside them. Maybe the buttons just had text and those type of things. And I started noticing that a bunch of apps have this sort of disparity and it's rather interesting. And so, again, I'm not trying to single out the Patreon app. I'm going to mention a bunch of stuff about the Twitter app as well. But my ultimate problem with this is that I find that these apps are not or these icons are not very glanceable, and that's sort of the point of an icon. And this is sort of where I kind of drew my problem, where, you know, I'm not in the app enough to get familiar with it. But yet Twitter is doing very much the same thing as as, as, uh, Patreon is. Like, Patreon's not going out of the box by any means. But yet I'm so used to Twitter that I didn't think of this problem. And so there's definitely going to be people out there that use Twitter less than me, and they use Patreon more than me, and they're familiar with Patreon, they're going to say, Matt, you know, this, this app's super easy to use, which it is pretty easy to use. 
you know, you should be familiar with this, but then they're going to come into Twitter and be like, what in the heck is all this? Right. So this is, this is why I wanted to do this episode and why I was thinking about this. And so like I've already briefly mentioned, like I started to observe the apps that have an icon plus text label. So there's an icon and there's a bit of text on there describing what it is. And what I noticed is oftentimes, so I took a screenshot of Twitter in its desktop form at the time of record, uh, at the time of doing my research and writing these notes. And what I found was, is that Twitter on desktop, so I'm on edge on windows, if that makes any difference, they have sort of a nav bar that's vertically aligned and it's on the left hand side, if I, if I remember correctly, but it's on one of the sides and they have icon then text label, icon, text label, icon, text label. They're all left aligned. And so, for example, the home has an icon that has a little little house icon. The explorer has a number sign, a pound sign, or the hashtag icon, which would be familiar to, to Twitter and those type of things. And I'm not going to go through the whole list, but on the desktop version, those are rather, you know, self-explanatory. It's like, the hashtag icon says explore right beside it. The bell icon has says notifications right beside it and so on and so forth. And so it's rather obvious, you know, what is happening. And I'm noticing that on or that that as we, you know, get to smaller screen real estate, specifically if I if I did and, and I did <laughs> take a screenshot um, of the Android version of, of Twitter at the time, there is those icons, for the most part, there's not every single menu option there, but there's home, search, um, the spaces icon, notifications, and then the inbox of the messaging. But what I notice is there's no text on, there's no text on this smaller screen real estate. And you might be like, well, Matt, that's obvious because there's a smaller screen real estate. They're trying to obviously save space. So they wanted to have just the icons there. And I start, and this is what got me thinking of, well, you know, this isn't very descript for somebody that doesn't necessarily use Twitter. It's, it's mostly descript, like most of it's pretty standard. The house is standard. The magnifying glass is standard. The notification bell is standard. The messages or the inbox is standard. But the spaces looks like a podcast icon. So it kind of looks like record or like what if you just wanted to listen? So like that one's not very descript. And then I noticed today that my Twitter on Android does not have communities. But if I open up Twitter on an iPhone, which I'm going to do right now, there's more icons. So instead of the one, two, three, four, five on the Android that I have, there's six here. And one of them has just, it's like an icon that represents two people. So it's like two little people in the icon. And that's for Twitter communities. And what I'm finding interesting about this is that the desktop experience has a different experience, has the icon plus the text, but it also has a different experience in what's there. Because there's different contexts and different abilities of each of these things. Like, for example, as far as I'm aware, Spaces is only on the mobile apps, Android and iOS. Yet I do not believe it's yet on desktop. Whether it's going to come there eventually, I don't know. I'm not super versed in that. But what's interesting is, is that there's this, there's this, there's this difference. There's this different that, that, that will affect the UX. And I also observed, like many of us will, just in general, like I've mentioned the home and the magnifying glass and this and that, that there are going to be some common icons used on the same platform. So this is me just making observations before I started actually doing some research, which we'll get into in a second. And I noticed that some of these icons are cross-platform. So for example, you know, a familiar icon to get to the homepage would be the actual home icon, like a little house. 
And even if it's styled differently, the icon is still portraying a house and we know that that's to go home. That's very common on many platforms and many apps across, say, iOS and Android. However, sometimes a platform will adjust based upon where it's living. So this is another observation I made. So for example, on the Twitter mobile app on my Samsung Android phone, the share icon is the three dots connected by lines. The mobile Twitter app on the iPhone, the share icon was the little squarish line, right? The sort of the bottom of a square with an arrow pointing up to be more consistent with sharing on iPhones. Now, these specific icons match the platform that they're on. Android with the Samsung and iOS respectively, right? They match the platform they're on. But Twitter itself is a platform. So what does it do when it's sort of, let's say, left to its own devices? So the web version. So when I go to Twitter on Windows or on Windows on Edge, that's the browser I'm using is Edge, the share icon from iOS is used. It's not the three dots. It's not some other thing. It's the three, it's, it's the, it's specifically the, the one from iOS. Maybe that's due to iOS popularity. I don't know. So I started noticing that there's sort of this deeper, um, ideal or ideas or a deeper process is being put into thinking about how to do these icons and where to put these icons. Because as someone who pays attention to the general world of UX, I use icons all the time. Obviously, the icons need to be descriptive. They need to be glanceable. You need to quickly be able to like look at them and, and, and understand what they are. And that's you know why and how you get into trouble because something like the microphone icon might mean to somebody record, but in reality, it's in this case, it's to hope in a Twitter space. And so it's like, well, you know, you need to have some familiarity there. And so there's like this sort of like behind the scenes, there's sort of this, this deep meaning behind some icons. And, and so I, I dove into two specific articles in, in my reading. One is on, um, and the title of it is foundations of iconography, definition, purpose, and benefits. This is by Helena, Helena Zhang. Hopefully I said that correctly. It's on medium, uh, which is, uh, in the publication UX collective. I will put a link in the description. And then the second one I w- went into was actually a Microsoft written one, which is, uh, the windows developer blog. And the title of that article is using iconography to enhance UX design. Uh, and again, that's the windows developer blog. So if you hear some direct quotes in here or stuff, that's very similar. That's where I got a lot of this research because I wanted to dive in more. So here's kind of my findings. Here's, here's the, the iconography, uh, UX that I've sort of discovered and, 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 and kind of gone through. So before you jump in, I'm curious, I just want to give my guesses and views uh before you do the deep dives because i haven't read those articles i don't know the the real reasons behind the iconography issues that you were discussing um so i just want to give my views fresh right uh and then you can correct me if i'm wrong or you know prove me right or whatever um so from, from my experience with iconography all across the board start to finish it's always been a strange thing. Like a lot of the times I don't even notice it. And I think that's good. I think that's what they're going for. They want you to not notice it and use the application, right? They want you to not think about what you're clicking on. They want you to instinctively press on what you need, which is great. But the times that I do notice it, the the example that you gave of Patreon is really good. Like for me, the Patreon one is not clear. The A lot of the icons there don't particularly in my eye, in my mind, represent one-to-one what I want to click on. So I would have to actually go in and explore essentially uh, to figure out each one. One of the things is like, maybe they're okay with the exploration or maybe they're encouraging the exploration. 
And in a sense that like, you know, it's not that hard to click on each one, see the title and know what, know where you are. And then the second time you're there, you know where to go. Like, is that something that they're willing to, to do? Like, are they okay with that initial confusion as long as it's a quick um, resolution, right? That might be part of the process. The other thing, maybe it's arrogance. So a lot of these larger companies, they get so big, they get so entrenched in their own ways that they're like, well, we're going to use this icon for this and people are are going to know it because we're Twitter or we're Patreon. This is who we are. Like you're either going to know it or we don't care. You know what I mean? Like it could be that part of part of part of the decision making could be arrogance because they're in a state where they do control a big portion of the industry. So they can make those decisions that will affect other portions of the industry. Because if they decide to use, you know, a, I don't know, a car icon to represent a profile and all of a sudden that sticks in like Twitter for whatever reason and a different company comes in, they might have to follow that standard, even though it doesn't make sense. But because Twitter, tw- in, in maybe Twitter's not a good example. Let's say company X, big company X decided that and they're arrogant. Now it's going to set set the standard for all the other companies. So it's, it's potentially that maybe. Um, sort of but, that car speedo thing being yeah. like the speedometer being something that many people would associate, including myself, with a dashboard. Yeah, I think that one makes sense. Like, I think there's there, there are some ones that do make sense and it's good, but there are some ones that just don't. And like, you, you always try to think like, why the heck do they do that? Um, the other, the last one here that I want to mention is like internal UI testing. When you s- only test with internal teams, this is something that I've noticed on projects that we've worked on. Uh, as soon as you take that, you know, device or that application and you give it to an external, like a regular user, they will use it differently. And if if you never get to the step where you give it to someone to use, that's not at all associated with your internal, you know, organization, you're not going to get that there's an issue there. And there might be a lot of that happening because even if like you give it to your UX team internally to test, they're experts in UX they know what each icon is supposed to mean to the T. They're not a representation of users. Even though that, you know, 90% of users should understand that this icon is associated with that, that they have all the statistics, it's not always going to correlate. So it could be that there's just not enough external testing. It's not not enough uh, user testing that's done. And that's where this confusion can come from. And one thing to just to mention it, you know, not to leave it to surprise is that like, you're right, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be different, I don't know, I guess say demographics or groups of people, but it's also going to be different regions as well that got to play into this. And so there's actually quite a lot of like, what's interesting about this type of stuff is that it's easy to understand once you hear it, but it's hard to think of. It's something that you would never think of. And then once you hear it, it's like you understand it almost instantly, but it because it's not like super complex of a topic. It's not like rocket science or some crazy trigonometry thing, but it is something where you're like, you know what? You are right. You know, I've been conditioned to remember these icons and I've, I have the experience to remember this. And the only reason why I know what a car speedo is and that that's on a dashboard is because I drive. Like what if in the future, uh, which I mean is kind of happening, everything's digital and it just shows a number and there's no traditional car speedo anymore. You know, what happens there? And and there's actually a a touch on that as well in my research. So, you know, to kick things off here, one of the quotes, this is just a direct quote from one of the articles, and there may be a few of these kind of scattered in because a lot of this is from my notes from my research is 
first quote here is iconography is a visual language used to represent features, functionality, or content. Icons are meant to be simple visual elements that are recognized and understood immediately. So that goes back to me saying that they're, they're a glanceable thing. You don't want to be sitting there meticulously reading through a menu like you would with something like settings or even furthermore, generally with advanced settings. This is something that you look at it. It's really quick. You know, you're on Twitter. You want to go right home. You want to go right to the search. You want to go right to the notification bell, that type of stuff. Now, icons are universal. And what do I mean by that? So icons are universal, meaning that they don't rely on a specific written slash spoken language. It's not like I have to learn Spanish to learn to read all the text. If I'm looking at the, let's say, the Spanish version of Twitter, so someone has the Spanish language on their browser, they're on Twitter on the desktop, and there's that text plus icon. I don't have to know all the Spanish words that are there. I could navigate Twitter generally with the icons. So that's why they're considered sort of universal. Now, generally, I want to say this is generally true. However, obviously, there's going to be some learning curve in here for people that don't have the same lived experience as others. Uh, maybe people, like I said, don't uh, don't recognize the floppy disk is, is one, and I'll touch on that in a bit, as, as the save icon. Like, where did that come from? What is that representing? Um, thing, things like that. What if somebody has no experience with, like, they're new to computers and they have no experience with Windows? Well, Windows used to say, used to have the little Windows flag, used to be the icon, the logo, and then at the bottom left, it would have the start. Like, it literally used to say start, and there was the start menu, and you could move it around, I think, but that was the default position, bottom left of the screen. Well, what happens... Now, well, now it's just a, like a window, <laughs> like it's like literally four squares in sort of like an italic. It's the Windows logo, but it doesn't say start there anymore. So, you know, what happens there? There's obviously a learning curve. So when they're universal, it's like universal in, in speaking about specifically like written or spoken language is how I understand it. Maybe I'm wrong here and you can correct me, but you know, there, it doesn't mean that you're just going to instantly understand it. Like it's a one size fits all. Like it's not just going to be something where it's like, bam, I understand everything here. Cause obviously we're talking about <laughs> the reason why this episode exists is because there was some misconceptions. Now icons are visual metaphors. Basically they speed up the understanding by taking the properties of, of things that people would already understand and putting them in there. So a little house icon looks like a home and that's how you go home, for example, stuff like that. So it's just a really quick associate, like click. You don't have to like sit there and like look at the home icon, read the word home and be like, I guess this is the home button. You already kind of know what's going on there. Um, and same with uh, notification dots is a common one too, where it's not necessarily a visual metaphor, but you know that if there's a little dot on an icon now, you've been trained. So you're like, oh, there's something there and you're transferring that understanding of there's a notification there. It doesn't represent anything in the real world, but as in the digital world, a little dot on an icon means, hey, there's something that could require your attention in here. Um, icons communicate to a viewer, a person that's looking at it, a, me a metaphorical association. So, for example, an envelope for mail makes sense, right? An inbox, a mailbox, whatever, envelope for mail. Now, the metaphor can be, and I took this list from, um, from that medium source that I mentioned, so it can be literal. So the metaphor can be literal. So what does that mean? Something like an alarm icon might be just straight up an alarm clock. The metaphor can be outdated, which I've already mentioned. So something like the save icon is a floppy disk. Who's using floppy disks today? I used floppy disks. I used to buy floppy disks new and use them every now and then, although they were even sort of getting old and dated when I was doing that. 
it was still a technology that was kicking around and was in department stores and bought them from Walmart. And now no one really knows what floppy disks are. We don't really use them anymore. And so people are just have just learned that this square looking thing is the save icon. But the metaphor is almost lost to time with the exception of the people that experienced that. Abstract as well. So the metaphor can be abstract. So say in music apps and stuff like that, the the shuffle and the refresh arrows, you know, it's not directly showing you the tape or the CD or whatever or the playlist shuffling. It's just some arrows in a certain way in a, that represent a certain thing and that becomes the standard. You know, the the, the circle, the, uh, the arrow that's a kind of in a circle represents, for example, in the browser refresh. That's just something that we learned over time. And so the idea or the metaphor is more meta, like metaphorical there, is more abstract rather. The metaphor is more abstract. Uh, another one too is when the original reference is sort of lost entirely. So the Mac command icon represents something that we will touch on in, in uh, it, it's actually like a, a road sign thing that I will touch on later in the episode. But as far as I understand it, that Mac command icon doesn't, correlate with that meaning of that symbol it's just a symbol that they use now again i could be wrong please correct me if that if that's the case but that's like the original reference to that has been sort of lost it's just like the, the icon they use type of thing now there, there's going to be there's obviously like a sort of a visual standard if you will and i'll get into the visual stuff right now on how iconography works with ux so generally icons as we know are they're small, so they're usually a small symbol. They represent an object, an action, or an idea. So many, like, we didn't, we don't really think of it, but many things, you know, are, is a call to action. The notification dot on an icon is a call to action. Um, us seeing, you know, an eyeball appear in a password field is a call to action. Like, hey, click here to view the view the password in plain text. You can actually just see it, or click again to sort of hide it from prying eyes, type of thing. Usually, visually, these icons are a square, so a one-to-one -one aspect ratio. And you have to consider the platform as well. So as we mentioned, the platform sort of standard of, you know, this is the share button on iOS. This is the share button on Android, those type of things. Sometimes you don't have the luxury, let's say, of using a standard icon that fits the context you're in, whether you're on Windows, whether you're on Android, whether you're on iOS, whether you're in the web, you don't have a standard icon that can that can do what you want it to do. And this causes you to have to have a custom icon. And custom icons have sort of a share, have sort of a, a visual way that they should be presented. So you can, like, let's say, for example, you have a... Um, a special thing that's like for keyboard cleaning. So your icon in your app is literally like a keyboard with like a little broom or something like that. If you're drawing that, that should be kept in a shared thematic style with consistent design elements to the other icons that are around. So generally keeping it the same at the same style as what's in your app and or what's on that platform, that type of thing. Icons should look like they are in a set or family. So, for example, if you're using, say, Font Awesome and you're using all of the filled icons, you should keep your little icon with the sweeper and the keyboard should be a filled icon that fits 
aesthetically with them. It shouldn't suddenly be a 3D icon with a bunch of color and stuff like that. And this is, again, generally this is speaking. By having icons be visually consistent, they are more aesthetically pleasing. It removes ambiguity. So it removes the the like question of like, hey, what's that? You know, what's that for? Like it helps with that. And it helps users distinguish if an icon is interactive as well. Having consistent looking icons includes icons that have the same height. And again, like I mentioned, the same fill. So for example, you're using Font Awesome and you're just using Font Awesome for everything. You don't have any custom icons in this particular example. You use the non-filled version. So sort of like the wireframe, I would call version, the non-filled versions of all the icons, but your final icon that you put in to the list, you use the fill version for some reason. People are going to be disproportionately drawn to that. Like you're visually going to want to look at that icon more. And the icons are just supposed to be sort of there. They're supposed to be there. You recognize them. You know that there's a bunch of actions or their navigation or whatever. Like you're supposed to re- you're supposed to recognize what they're there for, why they're there, and what those icons do, what those buttons do. That's what you want. You don't want to disproportionately pull somebody somewhere, but because everything is like general in this in in these type of suggestions this is a tactic you could use to pull someone's look if you really want them to click on that icon for some reason but generally speaking you do not want that you don't want to have one of your share icons you don't want to have like a non-filled facebook icon like on your share bar a non-filled facebook icon a non-filled twitter icon and then and then all of a sudden a filled a filled like tiktok or a filled patreon or something and make it look really bizarre and pull them to that Unless that's, again, here's here's one of those things where maybe that's a tactic you want someone to see that more. Now, device slash platform standards exist that users are familiar with, like I said. So if you can, defer to these standard icons where possible. This isn't, an, you know, the, the custom icons are, are required and we, we, we just talked about them, but... Custom icons aren't something that you should just constantly be deferring to. Like, oh, I'll just make a custom one. I'll just make a custom one. I'll just make a custom one. Like, no, like, don't, don't, don't reinvent the wheel. Like, icons are very utilitarian. They're very much there to serve a purpose. They don't need to be super fancy. Sure, you could maybe change the style up a bit, but like, be true to the original design such that people would recognize the iOS share icon is maybe yours looks a little different, but it's generally the same icon. But, you know, respect those standards. And don't just start making custom icons where your share is just an S for some reason. Like, why would your icon be an S? You know, no no one's going to know that that's a share icon unless they use your thing. So the next little subsection here, I guess you could say, is when to use custom icons instead of standard ones. So we talked about, like, how custom icons should look when placed beside these sort of standardized platform. But, like, when – like, how do you decide when to use custom icons? And to use them – Custom custom icons, meaning the non-standard ones, they generally need to represent specific functionality that standard icons cannot accommodate without causing ambiguity. So something like a recipe search, a movie bookmark, an image download, stuff like that. Those are icons I got directly from the article. Ambiguity, just to be clear, is basically ambiguity as in the icon can be interpreted as something else. So maybe you have a speedo icon, like a little speedometer, and you have like the little little speedometer that is for the dashboard. Well, if you have like a dashboard plus and you take that same icon 
and you just like change the speed that the speedometer is fa- that the speedometer is facing, like people aren't going to really get that. And so people are going to be like, what? Like, what is that? That's the ambiguity where it could be interpreted as just like, why is there two dashboard icons in here, right? There's that bit of ambiguity there. So beyond that, if to, to get away from ambiguity, custom icons should be, you know, usually used if the user is to hesitate or expend energy to figure out an icon. What does that mean? So to me, this means that if you have an app functionality that's very similar to a standard icon. So let's say, for example, you have a search, but you also have an image search and you decide, well, you know what I'll do is I'll hide the, like I'll have the search on my main screen. When the person goes into the images screen, I'll just have the same icon appear again for image search specifically. Well, that could cause the person to say like, like you're, you know, you're, you're keeping the standard icon set, but now the person's gonna be like, wait a second, this was, you know, app search. Am I app searching within this list? Like, I just want to search through the images and it's causing that person to double take or hesitate and be like, what is this? An example of this that I always screw up is on YouTube where I, if I see a video that I want to watch, but I don't have time at the moment, I'll let it play commonly. I'll let it play for like two seconds and I'll exit out. And then I go back in my history and I find it. And sometimes I will find it by search. And I always miss the search icon. I always go to history and then I use the the, the sort of global search accidentally. Even though there is a specific search I, search thing there, I don't know whether it's due to iconography or whatever, but this is one of those instances where I would prefer my eye be drawn there, but not every UX can suit every person. And maybe I'm doing things weirdly there, but it's just a, a, a thing that I experience and would, would like changed just for my personal, just for my personal use case, of course. But anyway, so, you know, you might be thinking now, okay, you have your standard icons, you know, generally when to use them. You have your custom icons, you know, generally when to use them, you know how they should look when they're together, you know, how they should look in general type of thing. But how do we determine if your icon is suffering from ambiguity? And so in that Microsoft article, in that Windows developer blog, there was a thing called the text test. This determines, rather obviously, if your icon is is ambiguous. So it reads, if the icon needs title or description to convey its meaning, you may want to use a different icon or no icon. So this is interesting, right? It's sort of like if we go back to the Twitter example where they have the little house icon plus the home written text. I mean... You could just write home, right? You could do that. And we'll get we'll get into why sometimes you use an icon plus text in a bit. But that's how you kind of do it. It's like if, again, I'll read it. If the icon needs a title or a description to convey its meaning, if the icon, excuse me, needs a title or description to convey its meaning, you may want to use an you may want to use a different icon or no icon. So if you're doing user testing, or even if you yourself go to do something and you realize that you misinterpreted your app in the heat of the moment, you may want to consider changing that icon because if it needs some text, like if I have to press and hold, and I've seen this in apps before, I don't know what the hell's going on. So I have to like press and hold on an app to have virtually the alt text or the descriptive text show up a little tooltip to describe what's happening, to describe what that, that icon does. That's no good. So maybe you want to have a different icon. Maybe you need to change it such that you could, you have to have text. Maybe you need to change it such that you don't have an icon bar at the bottom like many apps do where they go to home and search and this and that. Maybe you need to have a Navicon, a hamburger menu, and then you need to have a full-on menu come out with actual written lists. 
This is commonly why, by the way, many websites in their navbar have text. Sometimes there's icons, certainly, but every website's different. Some places call everything a blog post. Some people call things articles. Some people call things guides. Some people call the blog post that is a guide a blog post in the in the guide category. There's a million and one ways to lay all this type of stuff out. And so that's why commonly in website nav bars, you have a lot of text because you it'd be like, well, do I just have like a piece of paper as my icon? But then does that look like it? it's the copy icon? Like, it's, you know, it's too much. It's too much. The final thing here before we get to the next section, which is also kind of loaded as well. And, and something I that's super obvious that I constantly use, but never thought of, too. So you know, keep it. <laughs> stay tuned for that um, is icon context. So icons gain clarity and meaning through context, how and where icons are placed impact how effective they are. The layout of a UI impact that clarity. So for example, too many icons can overwhelm a viewer, right? Sometimes text labels should just be used instead, even if they have to be put through a language translator. So sometimes it's like, man, these icons are not working out. You know, this is a complex piece of machinery. I'm going to have to have 900 icons that, you know, when else are people using or when else are people doing this type of thing? You know, there's no like standard there. There's no like, man, like all washing machines use this icon. All computers use this icon. All steaming, uh, you know, floor, floor cleaners use these icons. Like maybe in your particular use case, there is no standardized icon. You know, something like on-off icons are fine, but maybe you need to have text. And even if the person can't understand the language you wrote it in, we luckily, in most cases, have language translators because otherwise no one's going to understand what's going on. So sometimes it's better to just be like, okay, I'll write this in English or if you're going for maybe another market, I'll go, I'll write this in Spanish, I'll write this in French, I'll do whatever – I'll, I'll try to make this accessible for as many people that I expect to buy this product as I can. And then the rest of them, you know, maybe uh, maybe they can refer to a manual, which will have a translation or they can refer or they can literally use a translation app. And at the very least, they won't be messing up their clothes if it's a washing machine or messing up their floors, hopefully, if it's if it's a like a steaming machine type of thing. So sometimes you should just use text if it's just too many icons or too many like really random icons where you're just like, man, this is, there's no context that people are going to understand. And they're not going to like spend days upon days upon days on a steam cleaner unless they're working there to learn this, right? It's just like, okay, we need text. (laughs) We need to write text here. Also, alignment can impact how icons work as well. So having a text label, for example, left aligned, then have some white white space, excuse me, followed by a right aligned label can actually create more work for a viewer as they scan back and forth to link the elements together, they have to like look and then look over, like look left, look right, look left, look right. Even if it's just an eye movement, it's still a small UX thing. So instead, what people recommend is they will, like Twitter did on the desktop, is they have it left aligned. So they have the icon left aligned, a little bit of space just for spacing so they're not on top of each other. And then the written text is there, but the written text is not right aligned. It's not, you know, 5,000 pixels away on the right. It's literally just a little button that's left aligned. So keeping that alignment also helps with the, like, helps with clarity as well. You don't have to be scanning back and forth, back and forth. And also, this goes back to that command icon is culture impacts the meaning of some icons. So the pretzel icon, that's the command icon on a Mac. 
The pretzel icon on a Nordic road sign means place of interest, but it also means command on an Apple keyboard. That's where, that's why when I was going there, I, I was saying that the original reference is lost because as far as I know, you know, place of interest versus command is something totally different. So whether just some designer like that icon or, you know, whatever the case may be, for whatever reason, that that has been like that metaphor that that icon uh, represents, at least in my research, has been lost in some way. But again, remember that different culture, different icons, different meaning, different languages, etc. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, interesting. Ahead. Like icons are such a weird thing um, because it's either done right or done completely wrong, in my opinion. And there is no middle ground. Uh, I liked your kind of statement that you found there where you either have an icon that is clear or you have text there. There's no reason to have them both. I mean, like there is no obvious reason to have them both. There's obviously some, um, which I'll get into actually. I'll explain that in a bit here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But regardless, like from a clear, from, from just an overview. Yeah, you're right. Like it's, why do you make someone have to guess when you can just write it in text. Now, yes, there's space savings with icons. There's just a, a little bit more simplicity than having just a bunch of text. You can't, on a phone, you can't really do a bottom navigation with text. There would have to be like a, you know, a hamburger menu or some, something like that, which I mean, honestly, like I prefer the hamburger menu in a lot of scenarios. Uh, yes, it makes it so you have to click uh, one more time. But that bottom navigation can get kind of tricky, especially if you have already already have like bottom navigation from your phone. Um, it can sometimes kind of mess up with it. But regardless, it's an interesting kind of concept. And the other th- like the only thing I will say against it, and I've seen this done very rarely, but it could be a good way to do it is if you have a more complex app, usually apps like this are, you know, dashboards for internal systems or more complex like user dashboards, something that would have a lot of menu items. And you want people to start to learn your system a little bit better. What you do is you progressively remove the text and progressively make the UI more clean as the user uses it. Um, So like when you first start out, most of the icons will have text beside them to explain where everything is. But as you detect the user getting used to the software, like after they use it for a week or something like that, however you want to detect it, you start to remove some of the text and start cleaning up some of the UI so that people can navigate faster so that it is cleaner for them. Now, this might, I, I, there's no scientific evidence behind this. I've seen it done like once or twice uh, in, in all my experience. But when it's done right, I feel like that's a great way to kind of do an in-between when you have a, a more complex layout. The, um, <clears throat> yeah, it, when you were speaking there, it, it like reminded me of, there was a, I'm saying this from memory, but in my research, one of the, one of the examples of having too many icons was a, was a washing machine and how there was just like tons of these icons all over the place, like scattered around. And I think it was actually a screenshot of the uh, instruction manual. That's just like, holy crap. Like you're not going to constantly refer to the instruction manual. You know, the icons should allow you to, you know, you should maybe read the instruction manuals and get familiar generally. But then after that, you don't need to read the instruction manual every time you put a load to close in. And it, there was so many icons on this particular thing that it was like, holy, like what is going on here? Um, but I noticed that on the washing machines that like we recently purchased is that 
they're very like it's a very clean UI. Like it literally says like a dial and the dial has like an LED and it's like, what type of wash do you want? You know, hand wash, normal, delicate clothes, whatever. Then there's something that says max fill and it shows like water in a bucket. So it's like, okay, well, this is going to fill this thing to max. Now what? Well, there's a delay and there's a there's a seven segment display or 14 segment display, whatever that has like a timer. So it's like delay. And it's in minutes, so you can like you know add a delay to to start because you can like have it start and go overnight or whatever. Um, and then there's also something where it just says soil level, and above it is like literally a list, like a vertical list of LEDs that says like you know it's, there's like five options. Like is it is it a very dirty you know like thing? Is it not very dirty? Is it just you know are we just kind of like washing it for this reason? Whatever. So like you decide like is is it are the the clothes very soiled? Are they not very soiled? Etc. You go through the thing and it's just then there's like a play pause button and it just goes and and there's other pieces in there as well. But it's very much like a UX in which you start on the left, you turn on power, you literally go, go, go. Okay, turn the dial. Okay, go, go, go. Click this other thing for max fill or not change. Set your delays, this and that. Set your soil level um, set if you want. And then there's extra options. Do you want it to chime when it's done? Like make a noise. Do you want to have an extra rinse cycle? Do you want this and that? Like whatever. There's a bunch of icons, but everything's written. Sometimes with an icon to help you, but with everything's written. And then you're, you're all, all the way on the right. You then loop back around to the left and right below the power button because you need to turn it on in order to set all the settings. You press play. You literally press, there's like a play, pause, start, stop button. And it literally says that, like start, stop. And you literally like press boop and then that's it. And you start it. Like that's such a, that's such a better way than saying like soil level and having an icon of a shirt with like one dot on it, meaning one stain, two dots on it, meaning two stains, three dots on it. And then one that doesn't have any stain. It's like, what's going on here? You know, sometimes you need just the text is better. And then sometimes the icon with the text, like the max fill, it's like max fill. You're like max fill of what? Like, am I filling it up with bleach? Am I filling it up with detergent? Like, what am I filling it up? But then the water shows like, oh, it's filling with water, right? Like it's it's conveying additional information. And so it's, you know, it's just better sometimes with both the text and a and an icon. But like, I can't even imagine the icons for that soil level of your clothing. If you had to, if you, if it was just an icon, like useless don't do that um and it actually leads perfectly into my next segment which i have written as sort of abstractly i guess icon actionables plus status plus glanceable explanations so this comes from that medium article as well um and the first kind of point here is navigation so you know icons helping you navigate things so you can quickly find places say for example in an airport so um a specific example in that context would be a washroom icon right so there's like the little like stick people or whatever, right? A washroom icon with an arrow to the left means that the bathrooms or the washrooms are on the left, right? Uh, you, they also, and I didn't really think of this either, but they had a screenshot of this in the article was that it, it, the icons help you quickly scan through elements. So a, a sign, especially in a, an airport, might be really busy. Like terminal one's this way, terminal you know two is this way, washroom's this way, uh, baggage is this way, uh, help is this way, general information's this way, food's this way, that type of thing. But if it wrote all of that, that's a heck of a lot of writing. But if you need to use the washroom, you just quickly scan the same, like, oh, there's the little stick people. Okay, boom, I can go to the washroom, it's to the left. So it helps you quickly scan through an element. And that I thought was rather interesting. Um, it helps to... Uh, you help recall elements when returning 
um, when returning to an interface. So if we get off of the airport thing, this is that thing that I was saying. So this is when an icon plus text should be used. So for example, they had a screenshot of the Windows 95 start menu. So you click that and then the start menu opens up just like you would see in Windows like on, the, on the bottom left. But instead of it just saying, you know, all programs, this and that, there's actually an icon beside it. What those icons do is, is it helps you when you're returning specifically. So going there for the first time, these icons are rather detailed. They're older as well. So that's, they're kind of like older styled and they're kind of detailed and really colorful. Um, and these icons are like really specific. And so the first time you're more or less going to be reading the text, like actually probably the first few times you're going to be mostly reading the text, but having the icon there beside that text, you're kind of slowly learning the icon. And then now it helps you navigate through. There's a screenshot. And again, like, please check out this article where they've removed the icons and that, that start menu looks bizarre. And it, and it is like, oh, where's the all programs? You know, maybe the thing that caught your eye in the all programs is making this up. I don't have in front of me is like the red dot in the middle of the interface or the, in the middle of the icon. So you might just be subconsciously kind of scanning through, oh, red dot, that means all programs. You click on it and you move on. But if you have to constantly read through all the actual text, it would take time. And so icons plus text in this type of context is where it makes sense, where being presented with just the icon, you have no idea where you're going. Being presented with just the text, you know exactly where you're going, but it took you a while to find the way. Having the both allows you to get familiar with the text, familiar with what you're clicking on, and because it's Windows, at that time it wasn't being like shrunk down, they have tons of real estate. And so that start menu, short of you changing versions of Windows or there being a major update, isn't going anywhere. And so you can really use that, that um, familiarity for years and years and years, although it doesn't obviously take too long to learn. Uh, outside of navigation, warnings as well. So I never really thought of this, but road signs are just icons for the most part. Sometimes they'll have written text and stuff like this. Like, you know, they might say, you know, low bridge up ahead, but then they'll write like three meters, um, you know, saying that it's only like three meters of clearance type of thing or, you know, whatever the different road signs are. So obviously road signs have arrows. Those are icons, those type of things. It's just something that you don't think about. And so like, um, maybe, you know, icy conditions or, you know, the road is like slippery when wet or it's a winding road. So be careful type of thing. Um, maybe there's construction up ahead. Maybe there's a deer crossing in this area type of thing. So warnings like, and it's just something, again, you don't think of I icons doing that, but it, that's absolutely like a big use case for them. Um, triggering an action. So an actionable for somebody. So when it's typically in a UI, when it's used as a button, so for example, uh, a magnifying glass for search, like, oh, I want to search, like, you know, I'm going to search is sort of the verbiage, I guess you could say. Um, oh, I need to record. I'm going to click on in Audacity, at least in my version, you click on the red circle. Like that's an icon that indicates to me when I click on this, it's going to turn on the recording. It's going to start recording, stuff like that. Um, and there's obviously different ones as well, like a home icon to go home uh, and the envelope, as I mentioned before, to go see your inbox or your messages, those type of things are, an, it's, it's kind of an actionable, um, it's kind of, or it's, it's allowing you to take action. But like, for example, uh, another actionable that we already mentioned is maybe an eyeball icon in the, uh, the password field to allow you to like take the action of showing or hiding your password as you've written it type of thing in the box, those type of things. Uh, another one as well beyond triggering action is showing status. So th this is actually gets a little bit complex in terms of UX. So things like a binary status, like is something on or off? Maybe the icon is green or red, or maybe the icon is faded out or not faded out. Those type of things can show 
a binary status, a one or a zero. Um, next one is they can show a ranged status, like say maybe a volume level or a battery charge. So you can have a collection of icons where the icon is all styled the same, but the fill of the battery fills up. And so the, if the battery is empty, it's like kind of like the wireframe where it's like a non-filled icon sort of style and it slowly becomes a filled icon. And when it's a filled icon, it means your battery is full. So range status, things like that. Next one is same thing, showing status still, but this time it's a compound status. So take that battery icon idea and extrapolate a little bit. So here's your battery icon. It's going to show you a con, it's going to show you one status, which is what's the bunch of the charge level? Is it at, you know, is it low? Is it medium? Is it high? Is it mid high? Like, where is it? But also you can compound that with another effect, which is, is it actively charging? So you can have the same iconography of the different fill levels, but then add a lightning bolt in there, which commonly indicates today that the, that the uh, device or the battery is charging. So that's something to also keep in mind. Um, now, there's also generally as well, you can see this in action. A lot of operating systems will have an actual collection of these sort of status showing icons in a section of them. Maybe it's in your system tray, depending on what your thing is. Like I have my OneDrive icons and my, uh, my volume icon that indicates that I'm, you know, I have my volume on. It's not muted. Um, my OneDrive isn't in trouble because I think it fades out or it shows an X or something when it's in trouble. Like when it has, it's having trouble syncing or I have to resign in or something. Um, it's saying that my computer is plugged in via Ethernet and it doesn't say like, Hey, you know, you've lost internet. It doesn't say that. So stuff like that, there'll be icons like that. And that, that happens a lot in uh, Android, um, a lot as well, where you will have icons at the top, you know, your quick settings, like your, your, uh, your camera maybe, or like, like on, on my lock screen, for example, I have a phone icon on the bottom left and a camera icon on the bottom right. There's no text there, but if I swipe on one of those, it'll either open up the dialer or it'll open up the, the, the telephone or open up the, um, the camera. Stuff like that. Uh, in Android as well, obviously, sort of above the notification shade, there will often be icons up there, usually with text because there's quite a bit of screen real estate, but stuff that indicates your uh, quick options like, do you want to toggle airplane mode? Do you want to toggle your flashlight as well? Do you want to toggle maybe mute or something on your device? It varies by device, but generally, a lot of these operating systems will have a collection of icons that are used for showing status, and oftentimes, you can actually trigger an action by clicking on them as well, long press, short press, those type of things, different actions. Uh, and also, I never really thought of this because I'm not like a super artistic person, but in the article I mentioned, you can also express the tone, um, or in, in, in this case, they wrote the tone of voice. So maybe in your branding, you want to express a certain tone. So in, in Firefox 2019, this is the example they use in the article in the Firefox 2019 rebrand, uh, the, the colors are bold and vibrant and very optimistic. So that kind of shows you, you know, hey, this brand is kind of, you know, it's not like really dreary and sad or something. It's, you know, up upbeat a bit and it's optimistic. Um, something like Google's material design is rather simple. And so that conveys its utilitarian nature. And so it explains, it explains that sort of tone of voice type of thing. It, it, it's saying, you know, just use, you know, use me as a toggle to turn on and off your flashlight. No frills, no fancy stuff, just, you know, toggle the flashlight. So it's more utilitarian in that way. And I'm sure there's tons and tons of different um, examples of this. Even this will probably touch on logo design as well, because obviously logos often have an icon associated with them or the logo itself gets changed into an icon sometimes, like the Windows start menu, for example, um, like a, a version of the logo of the Windows logo will get converted into that. And so that's another uh, thing that I never even really thought of, but is actually a really good point. 
but that uh that concludes that i don't know if you have any uh anything to add to that mike but that's um that's been my research i only two articles and got an absolute ton of information uh, i'm sure i could get way more via with with a lot more i was going to try to do four articles but i thought you know converting this into written uh or not, well converting this into spoken word would take a while and we're almost at the hour point already so i guess i I guess two articles was enough. <laughs> I was a little worried, but um, I'm glad I didn't do four. We'd be here for another hour. <laughs> yeah, there's just so much to it. Even though it's such a small little thing, I think if you think about like every part of the UX and UI of an application is like this, like the colors. You could do a whole easily like a, an episode like this on two articles for colors. You could do the same thing for typography, even more probably, because it's just so complicated that I can't wrap my head around it at all. You can do the same thing for layout, obviously. Like there's so much there, animations, etc. Like every little piece of the UI can have a deep dive like this. When it comes together, from what I've seen, you don't notice the separate pieces. Like when you go Definitely. into an application, you don't notice the iconography very much. Like a regular user, I should say, I should give that pretext. A UI UX developer, someone that's in the industry will notice certain things for sure, especially of high quality, right? Or, or of extra low quality, they'll notice it. But a regular user won't. And that's a good thing. And that's what you should be mostly striving for. You want them to either say, wow, okay, that's cool. Or just use your application the way it's meant to be used, right? So I think at the end of the day, with icons especially, sim simplicity is key. Like Matt mentioned it multiple times, when you're making a custom icon, make sure that it's part of your design language. Make sure that it's clear. Otherwise, don't do it. Like don't go into the custom the custom icon world. Because if you're going to try to, you know, make a fancy icon that's going to stand out just because it's custom – it's going to detriment the application because people will notice it and they'll try to, and they'll start questioning like, what are these other icons? Why are they not like that? And as soon as you start, as soon as people start noticing the UI and noticing the UX, that's usually going to be a bad thing with an asterisk. But regardless, like you want to keep this to the user as hands-off as possible. So that's why I think it's, it's an interesting topic and it's an interesting thing to talk about because it isn't talked about very much. It isn't made to be this, you know, crazy part of web development. Like when you're going through your basic JavaScript, HTML, and CSS courses, iconography is probably at the farthest end of it. Like no one's talking about, they're just saying use font awesome or use images or whatever to represent icons. No one's telling you, hey, there's a lot to this. Like if you're going to be making a successful web application that's going to be used by thousands of people or millions of people, yeah, it requires some thought. So I, I think there was a lot of content, like a lot of stuff here that should, should help people when they get to the point where they need to really refine their UX. There's two things I want to touch on that you mentioned there. And I just want to clarify, as far as my understanding, when, you, when we talk about custom icons, you know, go ahead and make your own style of icon if you'd like. But it's more so thinking about what you're portraying. So like a bell icon is the notifications icon. If you decide to make that like just an N because it stands for notifications, it's like that's where your custom icons mess up. But if you want your bell to have a little more frills, but it's still obviously a bell icon, 
and it's still kind of true to the OS. Like, that's fine. That type of stuff. Like, the, you're still trying to portray the metaphor. Like, obviously, the the Twitter icons and the Patreon icons and those type of things, like, they're going to have slightly different design language. Uh, the Windows icons versus the Android icons and those type of things, they're going to have different design language. But, like, there's a search. I'm looking at it right now in Windows, and there is a magnifying glass. There's a magnifying glass on that screenshot I took of the Twitter app. And the magnifying glasses are different. One has a longer stem. They're both facing the wrong direction. One has a bigger lens. One has a smaller lens. But I know that's a magnifying glass. I know that that's I know that that's a search. And so doing stuff like that is totally fine. But if Microsoft was like, no, I don't want the magnifying glass. I want it to be an eyeglass. Then it's like, well, hang on. What's that? See, like there's that hesitation. There's that ambiguity a little bit. It's like, what is that? And it and, and it makes you question it. So that that's one thing. Um and another thing I wanted to mention as well is that, like, I just wanted to touch on the, um, the, I guess it's the difficulty of dealing with icons that are non-standard. Like in the beginning, it, you know, I brought up Patreon, but if I open Patreon, like, I'll read, I'll read out what they what they do, and like, it's like I'm not faulting the design team necessarily. It's like, okay, here's your car speedo or car, car speedometer, right? So that's your dashboard. If I click on the next one, which looks like a piece of paper that's left aligned, those are my posts, published and draft, and, and drafts, okay? So it's like, okay, that kind of makes sense. The next one, like I said, looks kind of like a browser to me. When I click on that, it shows me the posts from anyone that I'm following, of which I'm not following anyone. And there's a toggle at the top for posts or audio. When I click on audio, it says, it looks like you don't have any any audio files downloaded. So it's like, this icon, it's sort of like, this doesn't fit this, but what would fit it? You know, like, it's very bizarre. And if I click and hold to see if it tells me what it is, it doesn't. So, like, to me, it's sort of like, this is a miss. Like, specifically, this icon's a miss. But, like, what would the icon be? Like, this is this is a context in which I would probably use a Navicon myself. Next one's an envelope. It shows my inbox, of course, my Patreon inbox and creator inbox. I can toggle between them. And then the other one's my account. It's the little person with the circle in it. And so it's 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 just one of those things where it's like, you know, we it's easy for us to complain, but like when apps have such a specific use case and such a specific such a specific uh feature set or whatever, and then they have a, a specific design vision. To go back to what Mike said, you know, having a UI not be noticed as a UI is key. But these big brands are still going to have little problems like this. Um, having your text aligned one way, like left aligned, and then having your icon aligned another. In the in the article that I will link again, in the article, they have a screenshot of a major app. It might be Airbnb or, or something. Like, go check it out. I don't know if it's actually Airbnb. But there's an, it's like a major app that has that problem. And maybe we wouldn't notice it. Like these are little small things, but think about making a user interface like this. You're learning web development and you are learning how to make things work. You're learning about the functionality. So you get a piece of functionality done and then you display that functionality on a user interface. Maybe you've, you know, gotten all the movie titles from 2020 and you've, you've gotten that from an API, there's your functionality, and you display that. And then you have an interface around that. Maybe you want to, you know, be able to share those titles or something like that. You're going to notice, or at least I do, when I learn that functionality and display it, that the 
the actual UI doesn't look that good. And so I'll put a little effort in and it looks a little better, but it still kind of looks like crap. Me personally, I'll like sleep on it, come back and just tweak it a little bit more. And it looks a little bit better. And then maybe I'll get a little feedback here and there from friends or beta testers or maybe Mike even whatever. And then I'll like tweak it a little more. And it's one of those things where it's almost like an organic, at least for me, an organic procedure to make your UI look better. And we've definitely put out UIs that look bad because we've had specific requests from customers to make them the way they are. And you'll look at them and be like, man, this doesn't look like a modern website. Like, what is going on here? And, and, and stuff like that. Like you'll notice it, especially when you're learning, like you are more there for learning that piece of functionality. You're not there necessarily for that user interface design. But when you look at something like Twitter, you're like, man, Twitter's so put together. Like, you know, it has its problems. Everything does that humans make. Everything has its problems, but Twitter's so put together. Patreon's so put together. Uh, you know, Audacity's put together. Edge is like, you know, it's, Everything looks so slick in comparison to what I what I'm doing. But like, think about this: like they they might have ten people that are just messing with the icons. They might have ten people that just mess with the with the typography. They might have a team that makes those two teams talk like that that like liaison the two teams. Then the functionality comes out, and then someone has to take that functionality that someone has built and make it so that it's portrayed to the user properly, gets marketed to the user properly, make sure that the language between the marketing and what's on the UI match, or at least closely enough match so that like when you're marketing something, people know what it is and where it is and how to use it. So that's why you're marketing it. So people use it or buy it or whatever. Like there's so many steps that like I always feel bad. When I just learn a piece of functionality, get it working, my UI looks bad. And I always think like, oh my God, like the client's going to hate this. Like, what are we doing? But I just put a little bit more time, just chiseling away, tinkering with stuff, maybe try some icons here and there, you know, do mess around with this, mess around with that. Just slowly sort of like shape it, shape it, shape it. That's that polish. And I don't know if that polish is possible unless you're like a absolute master of this craft, but I don't know if that polish is possible by just implementing concepts like this. The concepts help, but you got to like slowly shape it, slowly shape it and shape it and shape it. And then it becomes this very polished, like, wow, you know, this really works. And people can make missteps and sometimes you can't polish something that's horrible, you know, whatever. But I think that, that that's something crucial to, to pay attention to, especially if you're learning. Especially if you are, especially if you've done everything your client has said, they've told you like a content plan at a high level for their website, you build their website out and it doesn't quite look like a modern interface. Oh, maybe try some icons. Oh, that looks a little weird. All right. Well, actually those icons don't look bad here. Oh, okay. Well, let's try. Oh, you know what? Maybe this Navicon should be moved. All right. Let's, let's try that. Like those are the little things that you're not going to get by just simply implementing the concepts of various things, but like, let's say you're doing your icons. Like you can listen to me talk about icon uh, concepts and like, you know, align them this way and do this this way and do this that way, but it can still look really bad. And you can see apps that don't look as well put together by developers that are just one developer. Because of course they don't have a team of people constantly polishing it. It's one person polishing it. Like, of course the UI is not going to be as good and as modern and as thought through because they don't, they only have one brain and they're thinking of the functionality and the UI and the UX and the iconography and, and, and. And so, you know, I, I think that user interfaces and UX needs to be polished 
and be done over time. And concepts help, but it's not the end game. That's my piece. Yeah, that was a good piece. <laughs> um, well, if you're interested in episodes like this, like episodes like this, remember we are on Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash HTML of things. And uh, many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital via blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Self-Made Web Designer via selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker via thewebhacker.com. DL Afford from dlford.io. Viv Hashash from 9 Block Media via 9blockmedia.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com. Mega Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se. And Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.